to come and take me home cause I'm all alone in this crowd who are you to me who am I supposed to be not exactly sure Welcome to episode 168 of The Brian Oak Show. Starting off on a, well, what seems like a somber note, but really an impossibly powerful emotional note with Queens of the Stone Age. Sean, you and I have talked about this more than a few times. We're 168 episodes into this podcast. And given my sort of freakish fanboy love of Josh Ami, all things Queens of the Stone Age, that's probably really only the fifth or sixth song we've ever played by Queens of the Stone Age. It's kind of crazy. I thought they were, there would be way more. Well, Why don't you take your video off now? Because we already had you clipping a little bit. So thank you. And I'll edit this part out. Yep. Well, trust me, one day this may be nothing but it. I wanted to play that particular song because... Um, well, our guest today directed the video for that song and Ooh. our guest today. Yeah, no, he did. And our guest today is apparently one of those sort of sorcerers who's capable of brilliant visual art, uh, incredible musical endeavor, and also a, a video director. He's sort of a Renaissance man in a Use Renaissance, let's be Kai Arns will be our guest a little later on, coming up very shortly here on The Brian Oak Show, which normally is recorded right in the Smart Start MN studio, but it's a holiday weekend, so we're all kind of in our remote locations. I am sitting in my, well, stately Oak Manor, as I like to call it here in South Minneapolis. Sean, where are you right now? I am visiting an old high school friend uh, who just moved to Peoria, Illinois. What's it like in Peoria right now? Man. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, it's actually hot. I don't know about yeah. there, but it's going to be 97 degrees today in the 20th. Oh, yeah. So I have arranged my 4th of July. It is the 4th of July, by the way. Happy Independence Day, everybody. Screw you, King George. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, you know, but I mean, it's so it's, it, but it's going to be 97 degrees today. It's going to be silly. And if you're not on a lake, just stay inside. Air conditioning was invented for a reason. And I don't know who that person was. I'm sure there's a great documentary available somewhere. I'd like to kiss that person. Are you enjoying your holiday weekend, even though I'm making you work for a brief portion of it? I am. I'm, so here's the cool part. They bought, they moved from Denver because Denver is out of control expensive now. They moved from Denver and they live in an 1869 Victorian home. And they believe it was part of the Underground Railroad. So it's just got all this history. It's got this crazy energy about it. Uh, and it's on about two acres of land right by Bradley University. So it's really crazy. It's a really crazy, cool place with lots what, of what history. Are all, what are all the underground tunnels and chambers like? Are those fun? or? Well, the, it's funny. The last owner said there are a couple of uh, secret spots that you'll find we're not going to tell you where they are there's some cabinets and things that go to other places but we're not going to tell you about them you have to find them on your own and so i spent most of the night last night while they were sleeping trying to find these secret <laughs> compartments sounds like the perfect beginning of a horror film um <laughs> before we get into the show uh i do want to thank smart start mn they've been with us for a full 168 episodes of the show and show no signs of stopping smart start mn is the the original minnesota ignition interlock company they are the ones who uh, started it here and a lot of carpetbaggers have come along since then pretenders mm -hmm. to the throne but they are one of us some of us they are minnesotans and they are on your side you know there's going to be a lot of weirdness a lot of shame a lot of head shaking and hand wringing if you get a dui or if someone you love gets a dui you have to get back to your normal life right we all make mistakes but you got to get back to normal they're not here to judge they're here to get you back in your vehicle as soon and as quickly and as inexpensively as possible and you can make it even less expensive if you follow a certain link yeah just go to smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show they'll give you 20 percent off the installation of the ignition interlock system 
So before we get to today's guest, who I'm very excited to talk to, I've known him for a very long time, but he continues to, every new thing he does continues to sort of blow my mind and impress me a little more. He's he's not like a normal person. And I, I don't mean that as a, a demeaning or a dismissive <laughs> term. I mean it in the sense that that's a compliment to me. Like when you're not like anyone else, I think that's probably the best way to live your best life. Kai Orange is going to be our guest just ahead. But before we get to him, um, I had a moment, right? So Record Store Day is coming up in less than two weeks. The second installment of 2021 Record Store mm -hmm. Day. And the first one was amazing. Like it was, it was almost like old times. Very few people wearing masks, which I'm both cool and not cool with. But the number of people who were in line to get inside the record store that I work at, Mill City Sound, at 7 a.m. was already 75 people. And by the time we opened the doors at nine, it was well over 120 people. That's cool, man. The fact that records are still yeah. a thing, it, it blows my mind. Like, I didn't, I'm not surprised to find out that it came back and that it was like sort of a momentary hipster thing, but it's not a hipster thing. Everybody's in, man. We can't keep turntables in stock. It just keeps growing and growing. So I swung by yesterday and I found a copy of a song that we all know and love. It's a one hit wonder modern english uh the british band and i melt with you right like i mean one of these sort of defining tracks of the 80s yes but then i so i bought it and it was a little expensive because it's an actual uk import and then i flipped it over and on the b side there's a song that i'd never heard before in my life but i feel like it's always been a part of my life the 80s man yes there was a lot of cheese there but damn there was some gold in there it was unbelievable and i wanted to start things out today with this particular song kai arns is our guest just ahead in the meantime though modern english do a deeper dive because this song rules it's called someone's calling
can't stop listening to it. I, it, I, it's weird. I mean, it sounds like your typical these four on the floor pop jam with icy synthesizers floating in over the top. But oh my God, I'm in love. And if I'm in love, guess what? You listen to this show, you got no choice but to be in love. It's I loved it. I'd never heard it before. I thought that was I fantastic. haven't either. And it, it was amazing. And I'm like, for a one hit wonder. So I did a deep dive last night. Modern English has an awful lot of good songs for a band that we call a one hit wonder. Mm -hmm. I, I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. And this is the Brian Oak Show, episode 168. Without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest. Many of the old timers like myself will recognize Kai Arns uh, as a guy who went by a slightly different name in a rather popular Minnesota band called Flip. Uh, since that time, he has gone on other musical endeavors, but what I've noticed most about his career arc over the last 20, 30 years is his absolute multicolored technicolor explosion across the, the graphic design landscape, whether it be video directing or poster design or art creation. Um, I really don't think there's anyone else like him. So when I reached out to him, even though I've known him for a long time, I was still delighted that he said, yes, he would be on. Kai Arns is our guest today. Kai, how are you? Brian, it's nice to uh, hear your voice. Takes me back as well. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, thanks for the props from back in the flip days in the 90s. Um, lots of great experiences going on back then. And, uh, you know, moved out to Los Angeles in 2004 to broaden look, my horizons. Look, man, we got we got to stretch this story out over an hour. So you save that Los Angeles stuff for a minute, all right? Because I want to ask you, <laughs> I want to ask you before we get there, because to me, it's it's obviously been a wild and and crazy and wonderful ride for you there. But let's let's go back a little bit for people who don't know Kai Arns that well. You were in a Minnesota band. Where are you from, man? Where did you start out? Grew up in North St. Paul. Okay. And like anyone who grows up in North St. Paul, the second they're 18, they move to Minneapolis. <laughs> As a guy from Coon Rapids, I know the feeling. I did the same thing. It was time to go. So you grew up there, and you and your brother, Bryn, who's been a guest on the show, you guys at some point formed the band Flip, but I'm assuming music obviously became a huge influence for you prior to the ascendancy and the, the bizarre surreality and amazingness that was Flip. At what point do you, in your youth, fall in love with music, and how does it happen? Um, honestly, it, it happened going up into my brother. My, actually, my two brothers, they shared a bedroom. And all the rock posters and the albums and uh, putting the headphones on and listening to Queen 2 was the moment where I really fell in love with the majesty of music and rock and the art that, that surrounds it and, you know, getting lost in the amazing voices and sounds and the intro of Ogre Battle and the reverse band playing and also kicks into forward and you're trying to figure it out and you're looking at these photos taken by Mick Rock which is another story we should talk about later who I've been collaborating with lately. And that was kind of it. A little bit before that, I guess I used to wake up in the middle of the night and put on the Monkees album. <laughs> I loved uh, the song. Uh, I think it was called For Pete's Sake, but I kept playing Endless Generation over and over. I just love that. I still love that song. So, so I mean, uh, Well, we all find our spot into that, right? And so... Visual art becomes a, a gigantic part of your story for most of your recent and previous adulthood. At what point when you were young, I mean, did you always do art? Did you always love color? Did you always feel that, that the visual presentation was also an important part of expression? I fell in love with that the second I had laid eyes on Sid and Marty Croft, the Croft show. Yes. Hell yeah. Yes. Those color combinations and the art directors that Sid hired for those particular shows really shaped my current and my color palette uh, from the past, along with, you know, uh, just breakfast cereals and my constant obsession 
of finding really bad fonts. Um, <laughs> my, mother, my mother used to take me with her garage sailing and estate sailing. And one time I found a book on um, uh, Russian fonts and I was young. And I, and I actually remember at the age of seven saying that I was going to be an artist for a living. Like I remember saying that. Wild, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was just into it. I was drawing Snoopy. I love those art tests you would find in the back of magazines. Draw Tippy. And how was your Tippy? Was your Tippy any good? Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love I mean, you and I are roughly the same age. I honestly don't know exactly how old you are, but we grew up with the same kind of things, right? I mean, yep. Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, Far Out Space Nuts, uh, you know, Land of the Lost, H.R. Puffin stuff. I mean, these things were were surreal. They were sort of the safe leftovers of a psychedelic era that had just gone by, right? Perfectly put. Well, and, and so, I mean, and so, but it, so it informs you. Like, I remember digging through my dad's records when I was a kid. And even though I came to love the music, the first thing I loved about the band Cream was the cover of Disraeli Gears. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> this, do this doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. And it remains to this day, partially because of how great the music is, but really a big part of it is that cover. It remains in my top 10 favorite albums of all time. So the visual aspect is important. So you fall in love with music, you get into yeah. art, yeah. you you beat feet for Minneapolis the second you can get out of North St. Paul. How yeah. does how does Flip come about for the old school Flip fans? How does that begin? And I guess also, as you tell the story, how it began, obviously, you know, Rock and roll has always been about expression, right? And there've always been bands that have been big and over the top and have have utilized that that visual expression from early on. You know, you can go back to Arthur Brown with Fire or that kind of stuff or, you know, Kiss, whatever you want to look at. Yep. The visual element of Flip was a crucial element. I mean, you wrote great songs and you got the crowd going, but the visual element was crucial. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, but backing up just a second, I do want to have one question for you. What yep. does Eric Clapton and uh, coffee have in common? Oh, man. Hang on. Hang on. Coffee? Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm not going to get there. Do it to me. They both suck without cream. <laughs> that was good. See, what's, what's fantastic about that is not only is it a good joke, but I... Cream is literally the only Eric Clapton I like. And so I'm stealing that. And it's going to become a regular part of my repertoire for that oh, guy. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Credit. Although I do love the fact that Eric Clapton was responsible for the Bee Gees making their entire disco era. But that's okay. another story. Um, <laughs> going back to Flip, um, which really was just, you know, was another band that my brother was in that I ended up jumping in around 19, I think it was like December of 94. What had happened was Bryn was making a record for, I can't remember what label it was, but he got signed with a, a white bear boy, Stephen Chereau, to create an album under a band title named Heavy Syrup. And uh, for some reason, uh, Stephen decided to move to Los Angeles and and move into a tree fort while Bryn <laughs> continued on. And when when Stephen left, uh, Bryn was uh, somewhat forced to try to sing for the first time. So he laid vocals down on an amazing cover of My Generation and made hmm. a, a single take editless video. Snuck into MTV. True story, man. He's thrifty. So am I. We're both hustlers. We're rock and roll hmm. hustlers and snuck into MTV, and as he was leaving, somebody came back to him with a, a, a form to sign to sign off on using it, and the next week it was on 120 Minutes. So um, if you guys want to watch it on YouTube, it's the My Generation. I don't know if there's a good quality of a version up there, but it's, it's still a, an amazing video that really, uh, in my opinion, was creatively at a, a, a peak for my brother because he just moved back from new york and he was into sonic youth and he was trying a lot of new things and he had gone through the metal the black crows phase you know had his had a record done but with mick ronson and blah 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 but uh, the record labels started showing up 
and uh, started calling. And in these songs that were recorded, there were more parts than three band members could hold. So he was looking for somebody to do some backup vocals, etc. And uh, we got to also be honest, the fact that, you know, I have what I do in music and art and art combined became an asset for the band. Thus, some of the more ridiculous, ridiculous outfits and looks and, and all these stunts that were being pulled off were uh, these amazing get togethers that Flip would have. We would just sit up at uh, Kilo Bale's amazing sound gallery studio and drink some beer and smoke some pot and go, what if, what <laughs> if we rented a helicopter? What if, etc." And uh, yeah, and it, it all comes back from the glorious Alice Cooper and, and the New York Dolls and yep. Kiss and, and, and bands that really pay attention to what happens when the spotlight hits them on stage, keeps it interesting. Um, and that's, well, that's, ro that's rock and roll, right? I mean, I remember yeah, I've had conversations with Chris Osgood, and he said if the New York Dolls had not played at the Minnesota State Fair back in the early mid-70s, I forget what the actual date was, he's like, Min Minneapolis punk rock would never have taken off like it did. Maybe it would have later. Maybe it would have taken a different form. Undoubtedly, it would have. But he said literally... Everybody who decided they were going to be in a punk rock band was at that grandstand show and the New York Dolls, as unlikely as it may sound, performed at the Minnesota State Fair. And it happens, right? So the presentational part of it, I mean, your brother did half white, half black makeup on his face, almost mm -hmm. looking like the, the, the drama masks. You, with the signature spectacles and your look, Kilo with the green hair. I mean, everybody in the band had an image, a name, they were all cartoonish, they were all exaggerated, but they were all distinctive. It's why it was memorable. And, you know, I don't think you're probably the only band that sat around and got high and thought, <laughs> what, what, if we, what if we rented a helicopter and dropped cereal on the crowd? But you're the only band that fucking did it, man. <laughs> and, and, but that's the difference, right? I mean, the difference is execution. Like, you have a dream, and maybe it's expensive, but... To this day, people still talk about that event. And I don't think that's just rock and roll. I don't care if you work in actuated insurance. I don't care if you I don't care if you work in pizza making. I don't care what you do. Living Wait a minute. I do care if you work. <laughs> Especially okay, well, if you worked at Savoy in St. Paul. Oh, okay. Well, yes, you know what I meant though. I yes. regardless, <laughs> regardless of what your individual form of expression or vocation is. Living large and daring to dream makes a difference, leaves an impact. And frankly, it's regardless of whether or not there's a return on investment, it is expressing the thing that matters most to you. And I always love that. Hey, before we get going any further, I don't like to get too far into the show without hearing some music. And I want to come back and talk about, you know, because when Bryn was on the show, we talked a lot about the, the trajectory of uh, Flip which I love, but I really want to talk a lot more about you moving to LA and the things you've done in other forms of artistic expression, which frankly have been blowing my mind consistently for a very long time. Thank but you. before we do that, let's hear the first song you've chosen. Everybody who's a guest on the show has to pick music, whether they make music or not. I don't care what they pick, but you've chosen a song of yours here. And you told me that there's a cool legendary local connection. Will you tell us about this song? Um, well, this, if we're going to, let's, we're, okay, so we're starting with, I like, keep the lights on then. Well, you uh, tell me if that's cool with you, then that's, that would be great. Let's start with my solo song. Um, it's a song that is part of a rock opera that I'm in the midst of uh, putting together. Um, I wrote a script about two years with a guy named Jason Truco. And, um, you know, I've, I've been thinking this, this, this time frame really needs a rock opera to call its own. That's not called La La Land or Rent. <laughs> we need, we need a, a wall. We need a Phantom of the Paradise. We 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 need that. And uh, I don't want to give away the, the the pretense of it, but the whole concept is that we all turn around and look at the music we're making and make make new music together. I'm putting together ten different acts that are going to be given the part of the movie that they're in and they're going to be able to freeform write a song and I'm going to direct music videos that go along with each of the songs. I've also selected amazing artists 
that I've gotten to know since, uh, since, you know, my, my art career that are going to create little interludes that go in and out. So these, this, this rock opera, which is called after digital AD, um, is, uh, this is the opening track. It's called the day goes on. I'm in, man. I, you know, <laughs> a, a modern day, and what's it called? After digital, AD. Now, I understand that these sorts of things require an almost incomprehensible number of moving parts. Oh, my God. I, no, I can't even begin <laughs> to imagine, man. And so, I'm I, and so I, I, well, I'm sure, and I'm sure the curve is very steep to learn everything you have to know. But that, as an intro, is perfect. Like, I'm, I'm a lifelong fan of musical theater, right? And yes. some op- rock operas work. Some seem stilted and awful. Well, you Rarely quote, do they work. <laughs> you, you, you quoted a couple that I found very dull and hard to get all the way through. Or to feel that thing you want to feel when you go to a rock opera, right? Yeah. That was the start right there. Art. What, what, not, what I, not just what has, not what Disney can process through a strainer of creative production. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Well, And so, I mean, that's what I mean. Is like, and what I love about not only the music you create, but the the visual art you create, maybe even more so, is that you have taken some of the most delicious and enticing elements of the past, but it never doesn't sound modern. Whether we're talking about what we just okay. heard right there or your work with Jinx, I mean, do, do you think that's a fair assessment? 
I, I, I think that's exactly my credo. Um, hmm. Taking things from the past that shouldn't go away, that mm -hmm. deserve hmm. to be a permanent fixture in your mind and memory and giving it a new twist. And then sometimes along the way, uh, I invent my own flavors that then I start to see throughout, you know, just popular culture, you know? Yeah, well, before we talk more about that, I do want to mention our latest sponsor uh, who happens that happens to be Palmer's Bar. Uh, we are now coming out of pandemic, right? And I know that some creatives like yourself were shut down completely and didn't feel it, didn't have it, couldn't interact. Other people thrived and got wildly creative. But for those of us who are on the other end that are the, the feedback part of the loop that appreciates, enjoys, absorbs, we were lonely too. And now the world, whether we like it or not, is opening wildly back up, including our good friend, Tony Zaccardi and his bar at Palmer's Bar. He was a recent guest here on the podcast and Palmer's is now on board as a sponsor for the Brian Oak Show podcast, for which I am very appreciative and thankful. Um, but we should also mention they've got shows coming up on the regular. I mean, nobody's more eager to get back out there. <laughs> nobody's more hungry to get back out there, Sean, than than the people who are like, I want to play my rock and roll music, like the Front Porch Swingin' Liquor Pigs, who are going to yes. be July 8th, this coming Thursday, out on the deck at Palmer's the day after. Wet Denim, who, again, I've never heard a song by Wet <laughs> Denim, but the name alone reminds me of jumping into the lake with your jeans on. Wet Denim, <laughs> Betty Won't and Plastic Abstracts are playing the following day. Uh, Folios, which is the wonderful Martin Devaney's new project, along with Little yeah. D. They're going to be playing the following day, three nights in a row, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, of incredible music. And that's literally just a taste of what is available coming up at Palmer's. They've got R.L. Boyce, Lightning Malcolm, again, Front Porch Swing and, swing and Liquor Pigs. Um Partial Traces, Mad Mojo Jet coming up in the weeks ahead. There's a ton going on at Palmer's. Now, this place is cool, right? Southeast Minneapolis, Cedar, legendary, legendary venue. But Tony has once again brought something old school into the new era. Palmersbar.net is where you go mm -hmm. to find out everything you need to know about Palmer's and to take a look at the entire rundown of everything they have coming up. By the way, Partial Traces have a cool new wave thing happening that I can't quite get past. So I'm a huge fan <laughs> My thanks to Palmer's for doing what they do. My thanks to Tony Zaccardi for being a friend for many, many years. Um, go out and see live music. Go out and support the artists you love. And Kai, I think you'll appreciate this. You know, the entire time during lockdown, Sean and I were doing this show. And whether it was a local entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, a local chef, uh, a local band, whatever it was, we encouraged people to go to the website, support these artists on the far side of a pandemic even if we're not all the way out of the woods yet, mm -hmm. on the far side of a pandemic, we want the world to be at least vaguely reminiscent or have some resemblance to the one that we left on the front side of it. And we, we needed to have the music. We needed to have the venues. We needed to have the restaurants and we needed to have the artists. Before we talk any more about your art, what is the ground zero for people to find out exactly what Kai Ahrens does and continues to do? Instagram. Um, and it's just my name, at Kai Arns on Instagram. You can go to my website as well, which is kaiarns.com. But, but for, pe uh, for people who don't know Kai Arns, that's K-I-I, which is not the standard spelling of Kai. K-I-I-A-R-E-N-S.com. That's ground zero. But Instagram is where you generally keep people up to date on the thing that you've worked on most recently. That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, I want to ask you. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but one of my favorite things I've seen you do in recent memory, and there are a lot of them, uh, up to and including and maybe being subsumed, work with Queen. Yep. Not normal and probably should have some sort of restraining order attached to. Um, you made this incredible video of you doing a picture of the Death Star as a wow. glitter as a glittering disco ball but there was so much joy so much fascination so much nostalgia but also so much modern and wonderful to that particular video i was giddy man that's great um yeah my disco death star it was one of those <laughs> my one of those graphic aha moments where i'm like 
oh wow what if i just took like a reverse mirror ball scots and dropped it in the middle of a mirror ball and then photograph it then turn it into a black or white image and then mm. screen it on some nice thick matte black paper and then sprinkle some silver glitter on it <laughs> Ta-da! it's framed it's in my house it's in your house uh yeah disco death star i think i put that i originally made that design it it debuted for an all tomorrow's parties show which had a theme that was all tomorrow parties strikes back and they were riffing on star wars (laughs) hardcore and they had me doing some design that literally had boba fett in the mix and the Lucas people found out and started digging around into their books. And we're like, how many tickets did you sell? You got to change the art. And I'm like, ooh, what if this, the Disco Death Star was replaced? And uh, they sent that up to the Lucas flagpole and they're like, oh, we got nothing on that. So I forgot to have that card in my back pocket to play for the rest of all time. Love it. <laughs> that was that was going to be my next question. Like, was there a hassle from Lucasfilm because they've been known to be relatively territorial? Territorial. Should. Yeah, well, agreed. I mean, one of the most iconic franchises in our lifetimes. So I just, I just wondered, but I'm glad. Don't you wish the music industry would have figured out what the film industry did, and that's how to maintain the ownership of their own property. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been that would have made things much better for musicians, but we don't need to dive down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, it's a deep one. I feel like that's its own podcast right there. Yeah, let me true. back let me back up just a little bit. So you and Flip are doing well here. You are a creative, you're doing your thing. What prompted the move other than this is where I can really sort of blossom and maybe that's the whole story, but what prompted your individual move to Los Angeles? I mean, creatively, I could just, I couldn't, I couldn't do yet another Honey Dogs album cover. <laughs> and, uh, no, that's, that's kind of, that's, <laughs> metaphorically, <laughs> that's true. Right. Uh, uh, you know, it's like, look, Honey Dogs, great, not trying to diss, but like, I, I, I felt like I was just kind of doing the same thing over and over. And then uh, I got hired to, to go do a photo shoot for an artist out in Los Angeles, and I was staying with my good friend, John Fields, who lived in uh, Hollywood at the mm. time. He mm-hmm. let me stay in him. And the second, he had one of those, like, um, Wizard of Oz little windows that open up. And, like, he opened up that window. <laughs> First thing he said to me, he didn't even say hello. He goes, okay, when are you moving here? That was, <laughs> that was, like, 2003. And it hadn't really even occurred to me. And that little, that little door he opened up, literally, and the door that he opened up, in my mind was uh, really refreshing. And I was like, holy shit. And then, you know, Shepard Ferry was out here and Gary Baseman was out here. Some of the people that Tom Hazelmeyer over at Oxop had introduced me to in that amazing art gallery that used to exist behind Grumpy's. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't realize what a uh, unbelievable man Tom Hazelmeyer is for culture, art, music, et cetera. And he's always been uh, uh, like a big brother to me. And he, he kind of, he cracked that nut. And so did John Fields. And then, you know, uh, 2004, uh, I literally landed on Easter Sunday in in 2004 Mm. and lived in my art gallery for nine years, which I still have called La La Land on Santa Monica Boulevard. Wow. I mean, like, so for a lot of people, it sounds like a dream, right? Like, I mean, Creative types, everybody thinks I've got it. I, I've got this. I, I should be able to do this. I've been doing this for a while. I'm I'm good at this. But just like musicians, again, bakers, even chartered accountants, it's not true for everybody. At some point, you must have realized that you had the aptitude and the ability and the creativity to be... And this is not damning you with faint praise. I just mean like, unless you're above average at your chosen profession, you will not have a measurable amount of satisfaction or success. Well, maybe the satisfaction part's not true. But I mean, if you're going to pull up stakes, move to LA and say, I'm going to do art, that's a ballsy move, man. I mean, mean, it really is. I mean, did did you feel at all confident? Do you feel confident today? Are you still nervous it's not going to work out? No, I mean, I, I, I think I was 
my father and mother always gave me the freedom to follow whatever I wanted to do. And uh, I live with no fear for any of the things that I create, nor doubt. Uh, failure and, and failure doesn't bother me. Um, it, you know, it's a bummer. It's like, oh, shit, I wish that would have worked. But it's always like, learn from it, move on, keep creating. And I don't know, I always, I kind of always wake up with that wide eyed, oh my God, I'm going to make this today you know and so and that that's that, contagious that's well, contagious it, it not only contagious but sometimes maddening like that leads to my next question before i want to hear one more i want to hear another song especially from jinx because again the visual art you it's not the only thing you're doing you're directing videos you're making music you're a photographer you do all the stuff but yep. but when you but so you, being that kind of a creative i always wonder because i can appreciate creativity always wished i had a little more of it but for genuine creatives like yourself that have come up with so many good ideas are, do you ever find yourself like all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, it was a long day. I'm living in LA. I got cool friends. Everything went great today. I feel good about it. You lay down and you're just about to fall asleep. And that idea happens. The, the, the germination of something little, maybe it's not fully formed. Maybe it's not completely realized, but you're like, no, 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 no. There's something there. And then get up and hammer it out and go to the drawing table for the next four hours and try to figure out what it is you're thinking about. Does your level of creativity ever keep you awake at night? No, no. It just puts my, it puts a little smile on my face before I go to bed. <laughs> no, you know, when I wake up, that's what I'm going to be working on. And there's that magic hour that is the hour before you get up where I'm literally like, you know, I've got this creative filing cabinet, mm. meditative filing cabinet that kind of puts all of my moves into place before I begin. And, uh, and then I see something shiny and I forget about it and do something else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you mentioned you were working on this show during COVID, I thought I'd bring up and you're talking about all these things in my life, in your life and in my life that, you know, just kind of go down. I, I invented a show. Um, I've been working with Linda Perry now for about four years with a with a record label that had to end during COVID because, you know, what are you going to do to make money with performing artists, et cetera? Right. What did she do? She started a YouTube channel and she turns around to me and goes, Kai, will you make a show? And I'm like, wow. Once again, that little window, that door that opened, something I never thought of. We're always an inch away from a brand new idea. You're always an inch away from a brand new idea. And so I created this first episode with Money Mark and Jeremiah Watkins, a comedian. And I put on an awesome old video that I loved. And I just turned the camera on and then realized, Jesus Christ, I went to school at Brown Institute for Broadcasting. Work at KDWB. seven. <laughs> And then I've got this broadcasting background. Wait a minute. I've been making music videos. I can edit a show together. And since I was a DJ from 83 at Saints North Roller Skating Rink all the way up to 92 <laughs> at Rupert's Nightclub, which was Remy's at the time, yeah. I have the DJ brain. I know when to take the left turn that so I don't lose my audience. So after I created the first show, everybody in my world that saw it goes, wow, dude, what's up with that? <laughs> that's like, that's your music. That's all your music there. There's your video. You released a piece of art in the show and you're the host. I like being the host. And <laughs> so <laughs> I made another episode and um, Mark from Devo hit me up and goes, dude, my wife just saw that. <laughs> you're really onto something. I'll be on your next episode. So I did an amazing, a fun little thing and I put together life of Kai. And then uh, yeah. after I had about the fourth episode put together, um, <laughs> I got a manager who is now representing me who helped me now find an agent at UTA. We pulled down all of the episodes and we are planning 
uh, at the end of summer, we're shopping networks for the six episodes. And the last episode that I created the COVID had Bill Burr and I had Marianne hmm. Williamson and I had Aisha Tyler and Sid Croft. It's, it's <laughs> like the guy. I bring all these people that I've either worked with or want to work with or obsessed with. And uh, I make the old new again. And I'm really excited about that. A life of Kai. It's everything I've ever done in a half hour show which is kind of like saturday morning television mm -hmm. for adults it's a required viewing from ages six to 66. unbelievable you had sid croft i mean i don't know that i would be able i don't know that i'd be able to form full sentences i wouldn't know where to start with sid croft literally one of the most formative figures of my youth that's brilliant man well good luck with the tv show before we talk more and we are talking more we're not done yet I hate, again, like I told you, you know, as a guy with DJ experience, you don't want to go too long before we get to hear a song. So you've done all this visual art. You've created yes. video. You now have a television show. You've done all the things, but you have never stopped at least thinking about or making music in some form or another. Before we get into this first song, tell me about Jinx and how Jinx got started. Sure. Um, really great friend of my, mine, Beck Black, uh, came over to my house and I just had started this groove for a song called I Keep the Lights On. And and when she, when she opened her mouth and started singing, I'm like, this is the perfect tone. You know, she's not an over singer. She sings it really straight, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. I'm not a big fan of like vocal runs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we both just high-fived our love for cool rock and roll and new wave. Um, you know, fucking Human League and oh. ABC and Propaganda and just, I mean, Frankie goes to Hollywood and, yeah. and we formed Jinx and I made one music video, which you can find on YouTube for, I keep the lights on and uh, I got, I immediately got uh, like two record offers, two record deal offers by sending out a music video, which if you're listening to the show and you want to make it as a music as an artist, make one kick-ass video first and start shopping around because it worked with Flip. It worked up with another mm -hmm. secret band that I can't talk about that I used to be in. What? And then, and then uh, which is an amazing, <laughs> amazing fucking band. Uh, some of you guys, some some people know. I, I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut, as you can clearly tell. I'm uh -huh. telling you, but I'm not going to. Anyway. And then, <laughs> God damn it. Linda Perry started a brand new label called We Are Here. We got signed and we got signed to this, our first song, I Keep the Lights On. And this particular version that you're about to play was mixed by legendary Minneapolis musician and engineer who is responsible for the great sound of Electric Chair from Bat Dance, among many other greats. Chuck Zwicky did it. He thought the song was great and he did this. This take, which I kind of sounds, it sounds a little bit like Tapao.
and the beat just stopped. Oh, so very good. That would be yeah. Jinx. Um, one of the members is Kai Arns, who's our guest today on the Brian Oak Show, episode 168. And much to Palmer's Bar. And also, before we continue to talk, Kai, I have to thank our final sponsor, our third sponsor, by no means, I mean, last but not least, that would be Sean Bernard, who is a real estate agent for Edina Realty, the 50th in France location. It's the 4th of July weekend. Are you working? No, you're not working. You're in Peoria. I'm in Peoria, but, you know, in real estate, we're always working a little bit. You know, I'm always talking to somebody about moving somewhere and doing something. So, it's funny. I first, I believe I met Kai way back in the day when Brian, when you and I worked at the edge radio station, cause they used to come in there all the time. <laughs> they were, Oh yeah. You guys constantly popped into the edge. So invited um, wait, wait, invited. what's Good that? Question. Invited or uninvited. That's what I mean. You guys would just pop in and you were there. It's like, I, I remember that. And I remember green day running around for about three hours one day. <laughs> They uh, even came question. into the sales department. First of all, Green Day, big giant permanent marker, wrote over all plastic tiles in the main studio. That was delightful. But secondly, <laughs> Flip, was Flip the band responsible for bringing those brownies? No, they were not. Uh, it was a different band that brought the hallucinogenic brownies that were brought to Andy Savage's birthday party that right. I ingested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I made that same mistake that day. Yeah. Anyway, back to Edina Realty. Back to Edina Realty for just a second. If you know anybody who's looking to buy or sell, have them contact me. 612-859-2594. Also, starting this year, I'm donating a portion of every sale, whether it's on the buy side or the sell side, to a local artist or musician of your choice. So you decide who you want to help and who you want to support, and I will donate to that particular band or musician. Or how that sounds about, great. Or how about Music Store, like uh, Encore Music? I love it. Uh, or Mill City Sound. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Whatever you want to do, I'll donate to it. As long as we're supporting local artists and performers, that's all I really care about. So, Kai, I, I have a question, Kai. So you, in my humble estimation, are something of a mad scientist, right? I mean... Even if someone's very creative and successful in their creative endeavors, very few people have a band, successful uh, visual artists, TV shows in the works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to run down the list again. And so to me, there's almost, there, there's almost a mania, right? Like a, a madness, an, an almost indomitable sense of creativity. Are there ever days that you wake up and the signal is dead? The, the the screen is dull and full of static that you're like, I don't have a single thing today. And if there are, I wonder, is your reaction, oh my God, it's over, or B, thank God I'm going to the beach? Uh, you know what? I don't give a shit about the beach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was an example, Kyle. Yeah. Oh, an example. Uh, I don't no. give a shit about the beach. And I just want to say one other thing to you, Brian. I know some of the people can't see each other here. Yeah. Well, like where we're doing this kind of Zoom, and I'm just, just really glad to see that you're still combing your hair with a balloon. <laughs> Look, man, do you think on a Zoom, on a Zoom call, do you think do you think I was gonna shower beforehand? <laughs> uh, no, you know, those days do happen. Um, but honestly. <laughs> They are very few and far between. And um, they're very few and far between, and I'm lucky for that. Uh, I think, once again, it goes back to, you know, my parents never gave me an initial reason to be confused about the process of life. Hi, were they creative types, your parents? Not entirely. Like my mother would win blue ribbons at the Minnesota State Fair with needlepoint, which is pretty beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. Uh, my dad uh, was a chemist at 3M and he mm. was always thinking of new products and ideas. And he worked side by side in the labs that created post-it notes. And I remember we used to go to Art Fry's house uh, on Christmases every mm. month. So we were always, you know, and that was, you know, it was always go out in the garage and build something. Yeah. Yeah. Move, right. And which is a great move. 
So cool. Well, and so, I mean, I, I love that. I have a couple of friends who are scientists by trade. And I think that what you do is not entirely dissimilar from chemistry, right? I mean, in chemistry, you are always looking for a way to combine elements or, you know, find a way to create something new or interesting or innovative from the component pieces of what you have to work with, the things that you know about, but then occasionally discovering new elements or, or new compounds that are suddenly like you're excited and you can tell in your gut that if you're excited about it, someone else is going to be excited about it. I, I don't think the process is dissimilar. No, I agree. I agree. It's just another medium. And, 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 and neither is uh, uh, in a hierarchy of being more important than the other as well. Mm-hmm. It's important Absolutely. To check, in my opinion. Yeah, well, no, I mean, and so obviously there might be a greater commercial gain when it comes to chemistry or to science or to industrial goods. But so given what we've all gone through, what we've all gone through in the last year you know, I mean, the, yeah. the loss, the, not the loss, but the absence of that immediacy of the culture that we're used to experiencing, it's a little traumatizing, man. I'm ready to get back. I'm, I'm ready to see a new Kai Arns television show. I love that. I, I'm, you're such, a, you're such an emotional, cuddly little teddy bear. That <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I am emo. There's no question about that, but not the kind with the diagonal bangs and the heavy guy liner. Uh, but I, I'm absolutely. It's, it's part of the recipe that everybody enjoys about you, Brian. <laughs> I appreciate that, Kai. That's very, very kind. So again, you've got so many irons in the fire constantly. The one thing I want to ask you about before I let you go and before we call this a, a podcast is I think I had met you back in the 90s, right? As part of Flip and that whole madhouse and then had lost touch with you for a long time. You moved to Los Angeles. And then I remember my very first trip to Amoeba Records in Hollywood. And I went in there and one of the things they have, in addition to a ridiculous, like a freakish number of records, I've never seen that many in one place before. And I never really took a break from records. I've always been a collector and I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a collector of rock posters, but I feel like one of your first true strongest expressions when you got to LA was your work in the rock poster biz. Is that fair? Fair for sure. In fact, it's probably the one thing that I'm most known for. Yeah, well, precisely. And and again, not just with this band or that band or this type of band, but just all over the map. I mean, you've made posters for some genuine legacy superstars, as well as indie bands that only 15 people have heard of. Don't take that the wrong way. Um, my, my favorite posters I saw on the wall, though, I still I'll never forget it. There's one and because I couldn't get my fucking hands on it because it was the only one they had. It was sort of a purplish torso of a woman. And there was sort of a yellow, what looked like a dynamic ribbon, possibly a, a stream of lava over it. And it was for my favorite band, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. It is, it remains to this day, my holy, and I have, I don't know, probably 25 Queens of the Stone Age posters. It remains my holy grail because I cannot get it anywhere for less than a king's ransom. The screen version of that poster is uh, quite, it probably is in the top three holy grail posters of the ones I've created along with Radiohead for Haiti and then probably the Black Velvet Dolly Parton at the Hollywood Bowl. Son of a bitch. I mean, again, I feel like we could, if we, we could do, we could do a podcast. I, I wanted to have a podcast where I got to say hi to Kai Aarons and tell the world about all the things you're doing. But I feel like we could do an entire series of rock poster podcasts of, of rock and roll podcasts. So I'm sorry if some of this seems like it was sort of glossing over, but no, this, is, this is fantastic. This is how it begins. Also, you at some point need to tell me how I can get my hands on that fucking Queens of the Stone Age poster. All right. You gotta so, stay on eBay. Oh, F that. I'm not paying $800 even for a Kai, an original Kai Orange. I'm not doing oh. it. I only have one. I only, wow. I'm the kind of guy that will just give away everything until I'm that. Sometimes I'll give away the one and forgot, forget it was. <laughs> I've done over 500 posters now. Can you believe oh that? Gosh. I can wow. believe it only because I've watched it with prolific. 
Shift uh, show and a podcast. Number one place for people to find you again, uh, kaiarens.com. Yeah, and then on Instagram is the coolest. You know, if you got a question, you can always just message me. I'm usually pretty quick on the draw. I'm always talking about what's next. Sometimes, like, you know, like two days ago, I'm like, I'm going to do this drippy paint thing. And then I just made this drippy rainbow thing mm. and it goes up there. And, you know, who knows what's next? I'm, I'm shooting a video on Tuesday. I'm going to uh, New York next week to shadow a director on an awesome film mm. uh, who's interested in the rock opera and wants me to hang out with him to show him how it works. A uh, new Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell film. They're sending me out to uh, Martha's mm. Vineyard just to, just to hang out and check that out. Life That's of great. Riley, life of yeah. God. <laughs> it's all Honest. like, it's never ending. Honest to God, well, good for you, man. I'm actually extremely happy for you because there are some people who enjoy your level of success and creativity that frankly are pricks. And you are one of the kindest, <laughs> most generous people I've ever met. And I really, I really enjoy that. One last question for you is my daughter and I, before lockdown, my daughter, who knows me better than anybody on the planet, she bought the Cruel World Festival out in Pasadena, right? Ooh. Which, you know... The headliner who I could give a shit about when he aged early beat the traffic. <laughs> that's possible in California. Uh, but I mean, you know, Blondie, Bauhaus, Missing Persons, oh. Gary Newman. I mean, the oh. list just goes on and on. for next yes. <laughs> it's been rescheduled. It, it has. I, it's been it's been rescheduled, and my daughter and I are coming out in May. Yes. Again, I know I know it's a ways off, but Come if you're available, if if you're available in next May. My daughter would love to meet you and she will stand there with her mouth hanging open. And we don't even have to come to your house. We can meet at an In-N-Out Burger, whatever you like. I mean, my house is just fine. You'll love it out on Moby Deck. Moby Deck. <laughs> and with that, we're going to call it a shift. <laughs> Sean, thank you very much. Yep, thank uh, thanks, you guys. Thanks to Smart Start MN. Thanks to Palmer's Bar. Don't forget palmersbar.net. Go see some live music. It will make you feel better. And check out the impossibly vibrant and technicolor work of our friend Kai Arns. Kai, thank you very much for making the time today, man. Especially on the 4th of July. I genuinely appreciate it. Oh, man. This was a pleasure, Sean. Thanks a lot, Kai. Brian, thanks for having me. Uh, and now before we finally cut you loose, you do have to introduce this track one last time. Oh. You have one more song for us to play. Cool. Jinx, by the way, Jinx spelled with a Y, correct? Yep. yep. All right, but just to make sure people can track it down if they want to find it. There's an amazing new video that we put out right before the election uh, for a song called Don't Push That Button. It was inspired <laughs> by the time... Uh, that the North Korean leader was talking about whose button was bigger. And I'm like, don't push it. <laughs> and, and, and I bet it's not that big anyway. And, <laughs> and uh, so put together this song inspired by another Minneapolis local information society. You'll, oh my gosh. You'll, 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 you'll hear what we're talking about, but this is Jinx. Don't push that button. Got don't it. do it, don't do nothing Don't do it, don't push that button Don't do it, don't do nothing You're gonna get it, don't